Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Banquet Hall podcast. I am back with the Banquet Hall's favorite couple, Devon Sinclair. How y'all doing today? We are blessed. Queen, are you, you blessed? I'm blessed. Blessed, chilling. She didn't even know what day it was. That's how that blessed sure did. It's crazy. It's Taco Tuesday. That's what's crazy. Mm. <laughs> we have a go-to Taco Tuesday spot, Kyler. It's a kind of a problem. We did say at some point that we would reduce the amount of tacos that we ate, but uh, it hasn't yeah, happened. It yet. hasn't happened yet, so <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> hey, I don't know if Taco Tuesdays are about reducing taco intake. I think they're about increasing taco intake. We can just make the taco choices healthier. Yes, which we did. We did a good job last time. We didn't get tacos and, and surf and turf fries. We just got the tacos. It's a problem. Y'all. Proud of y'all. Proud of y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Baby steps. 2024 is what it's all about. It's about discipline, <laughs> making tough decisions and choices. Sacrifices. Sacrifices, for sure. <laughs> These are the tough choices that 2024 presents us with. Uh, new listeners, if this is your first time with the Banquet Hall, one, make sure y'all also check out the other episode we did with Devonna Sinclair talking more about the origin of Play Black Wall Street uh, video. Folks, I have the Masterpiece shirt on. Uh, we're in full Play Black Wall Street mode again. Uh, make sure y'all tap in with the, and we got the new-ish. I don't know when it came out, but I haven't seen that oh, shirt yeah. before, so oh, I'm yeah, saying good. it's new. <laughs> January, fresh print. January, we out here. We got some new updates for you too. We'll, uh, you know, roll that out later on this episode. <laughs> Call that a professional podcaster on the other side of the mic. <laughs> we got you. Yes, definitely appreciate it. Uh, new listeners, make sure y'all tap in with the podcast at Banker Hall Pod on socials. And yeah, just ready to get right into it. Uh, since y'all last been on the podcast, I started starting these podcast episodes with random icebreaker questions just to get the guests thinking on their feet, break the ice, you know, get guests comfortable on the mic. Obviously, y'all are more than comfortable on the mic. We've already been sharing laughs, but we got to stick with the programming. <laughs> Sir. It's so it's with it. We're ready. Y'all ready? Ready. The question is, I'm really looking forward to y'all's responses for this. What would the childhood version of y'all be most proud of yourselves for? Mm, what would the childhood I was thinking version? like favorite ice cream flavor or something. That's, going, that's too easy. See, that's that's surface. Deep. We right. have Banquet that's Hall deep. podcast. Okay. Come on now. Um, so <laughs> I think childhood Devon really loved playing games really loved being a a free spirit of laughing all the time making jokes whether they were appropriate or inappropriate i was <laughs> i was i was a jokester and still am a jokester so i think childhood devon would be most proud of us creating a board game that gave us freedom mm-hmm. right the fact that as a kid i played games dominoes monopoly pokemon uh yeah and i, I used to sell pokemon cards i was making a little bit of money from gaming but nothing mm-hmm. serious so the fact that now, 15 years later, I can now say, you know, we've built a business and provide jobs and impact all through gaming. Little Devon would be just cheesing his, his behind off. So, yeah, that's my answer. Nice. Nice. Um, I think for me, my child childhood Sinclair would be um would be proud of how I think I've been going outside of my norm Mm -hmm. and like even with the fact that I call myself an entrepreneur we call ourselves entrepreneur that was not 
in the cards at all. Like when I was a kid, um, obviously knew that people started businesses, but like that didn't seem like even an option for like for me. I just mm -hmm. always saw myself as like, I'm going to be some really high level exec at like a big company or something like that. And like, you are. And I am. We're not a big company. We're a small company. We're a powerful and impactful uh -huh. small company. Um, but yeah, like starting my own business didn't even like, wasn't even a, a thought. So the fact that I've um, not been afraid to like make those leaps. Made those leaps mm. even though you were afraid. That's a better way to put it. Mm. Definitely still afraid. Um, but I've made the leaps anyways. I feel like even though I had accomplished a lot I feel like at a young age, I think I still only did things that I felt very confident in myself in, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like now in this season of adulthood, I'm doing a lot of things. We're doing a lot of things <laughs> where I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to go, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, and I feel like that growth is, I think, my childhood version of mm -hmm. myself to be proud of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Me too. We we love the handshake. I was waiting for the handshake to make it to the <laughs> make it to the recording. I uh, love those answers. I think for myself, uh, definitely echoing some of the sentiments of what y'all shared. But I think just thinking back to how shy I was as a kid and how I wasn't comfortable talking in front of people, wasn't comfortable like leading a conversation, being a center of attention, and even as like a teenager like just really not being fully comfortable in my voice or feeling the need to really enhance that perfectionism side of me and I want to make sure every single word I said is prepared want to make sure my I's are dotted T's are crossed and now just kind of hosting podcasts performing places and winging it a lot of times too like just being comfortable that I know I have the skill set to be able to put on a good show. I know I have the skill set to host an event. I know I have the skill set to host a podcast episode to where like, yeah, even if I'm not a thousand percent prepared, it's cool because I'm me, like really right. coming into myself and uh, trusting my ability as a podcast host and trusting my voice. Young me would be surprised at how much I'm talking to people as well as like how good and how comfortable I am in it. And as y'all mentioned, like, doing it even though you're afraid like there's plenty of times where i'm like ooh, like how is this going to go but then it's like it's, it's going to go well and it's going to go how it's going to go yep, it's going to go how it's going to go That's, sure. that, that is the motto <laughs> yeah yeah that is the motto for sure um and even just thinking through preparing for this episode like making some last minute adjustments like 15 minutes before showtime if we would if devon would have hit me up like 10 years ago and we was making adjustments before the show like that like ooh, uh might need to push back an hour so i can mentally prepare <laughs> <laughs> i feel that yeah. and we are thankful for future and present kyler yeah and past kyler because i mean future kyler wouldn't be here without past kyler Facts. so Facts. all the kylers in harmony we appreciate y'all shout out to all the kylers all the fourth kylers ever in existence uh we do this thing close <laughs> <laughs> for my woes <laughs> uh but I was looking at the YouTube channel on Banquet Hall, and the last episode we recorded posted on January 11th, 2023, which does not feel right, but I get that mm. it's right, but it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long since I was chatting with y'all. Oh, honestly, I was good. I thought it was going to be further back. Like, that mm. seems like it was only last month that we did the episode. I, last I, year, 23. Oh, 23? 23. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't see it like that long ago. <laughs> 
It, it felt like it was months ago. Yeah, it was twenty three. January twenty twenty three. Yeah, I'm I'm in a I'm in a time warp. Yeah. It did not feel that a long year? ago. Year? Huh. Really? Sheesh. Yeah. That's crazy. A lot of updates since a year ago then. Yeah. Yeah, so many. And that's why I was really wow. excited to be able to revisit this conversation because at the time we recorded that episode, uh, that was not too long after the article about the Drew Holiday Foundation mm. and the games getting into the NBA. We talked about that and just watching y'all on social media grow from that time. I mean, even probably like a month after the episode, I'm like, dang, I wish I would have waited a month to record them because y'all <laughs> just be on it. It's always some type of update. And it's like, man, like I'm happy to have had that conversation with y'all and to be following that story. So I let our listeners know which, which y'all been up to for the past year. Man, a lot of love. So, you know, quick uh, rerun in case folks weren't aware of what happened with uh, us and Drew and Lauren Holiday. We, had, we were honored to be a part of the Drew and Lauren Holiday Social Impact Fund, right? And this is a cohort of companies that are doing social impact or social good in their communities, uh, largely Black-owned. Um, as a part of that, the Queen took this Wall Street, the board game right up there, um, took it to, to one of their like social events and just gave it as a, as a token of our love and appreciation. That's what we do. Whenever we show up to spaces, we like to make sure that we're gifting, whether it's at minimum our good vibes, <laughs> maximum, hopefully some, uh, some board games, some books, flashcards, uh, queen, after you gave him the board game, what was his reaction? He was super excited. He was just like, man, First of all, I was so nervous. I forgot to give it to them at first. Like I did the whole like, thank you so much, Rob. We're so helpful. It was so we're so grateful. And I like looked like, okay, next person. And Lauren was like, is that for us? I was like, oh yes, I'm sorry. Here you go. Yes, this is for you. Um. So yeah. Uh. It was. It was. He was just super thankful. I went up again to him afterwards. Like, just want to say thank you. Um. And he was just like, wow, this is this is amazing. Like, we're so grateful for this. And he was like. He was like, I really want to, I, I want to send these out. Like, I want to send these out as Christmas gifts to like some people in the NBA. And I'm like, of course, yeah. like whatever you, we got it, whatever you want. He's like, y'all got, y'all got a lot of these. I said, we, however many you need, we got. Yes. Um. So yeah, we were able to work with his folks and uh, it turned out he later on was like, I want to send one to every player in the NBA for a mm -hmm. Christmas gift. So um, yeah, we were able to make that happen. It was, uh, it was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of logistics, yeah. um, you know, planning that out. But we were just so grateful that he thought that highly of our product to send it out on his behalf, um, you know, send it out to all of the players. So that's exciting to know that they are sitting on shelves, uh, yeah. you know, in closets, hopefully, hopefully on display, but hopefully. sitting in houses all over the world, you know, from from these players. Oh, yeah. And then from there, obviously, we got a good amount of orders from that game. Um, they started to share the uh, campaign on, on Twitter and a lot of different mm -hmm. uh, websites that are affiliated with the NBA. So we did get a nice little uptick of games being sold, which was great. Uh, I think a larger piece of 2023 was us expanding our mentorship program. Mm -hmm. um, so we mm -hmm. have a 10 week long financial literacy mentorship program. Uh, we started out at two high schools and then we grew it into six high schools and two middle schools. And now it's at one elementary school, couple middles on this cohort, all high schools, uh, which is just really great to, to see the growth of the program, to see our mentors also growing in their professional development. 
um, them getting promoted from mentors to lead facilitators. And then I think one of my, one of my many highlights of 2023, because 2023, Kyler IV was a phenomenal year, to be honest with you. Like it was a truthful, like when we look back at what we accomplished, what we were able to experience in 2023, just mind boggling. But one particular thing when it comes to play Black Wall Street is we took our team to Tulsa. Uh, we not not everyone got the opportunity to go because you know they had summer classes or a summer job, but we took a majority of our team to visit Tulsa Black Wall Street, walk the streets, uh, obviously patronize the businesses, go into the museum and learn a deeper history of Tulsa Black Wall Street, and it was an emotional experience. Right? A couple couple tears, a little little bit of anger. Um, but, but I think at the end of that trip, people were more bought into the mission, into the vision of Play Black Wall Street after actually seeing the history themselves. So that was just a really dope, mm -hmm. dope piece of 2023 as well. Yeah. And so hey, can I shout y'all out real quick? Of course. I just want to shout y'all out real quick as just great leaders, because I think that when we talk about working on a team, being a part of something, if you're not really bought into the why of that, a lot of the what you do doesn't really land home or maybe not as like fully bought into what you're doing so the fact that y'all are bringing the team along with y'all to Tulsa Oklahoma like being able to immerse yourself in that experience and especially like we talked about in a prior episode just how much thought and like love and passion goes into wanting to create something like Black Wall Street the board play Black Wall Street the board game so yeah, I wish more teams did stuff like that where like you really immerse yourself in the why of what you're doing and show people like, hey, this is why this matters and walk with them in that is just so powerful, impactful. Like, especially like we in Black History Month, uh, yeah. as artists, as poets, like that's just a beautiful thing to hear. Thank you. And it was like we not questioned it, but we wanted to do it from jump, just off of the emotion of it. And then we started to get the bills from it or like we were like, all right, well, it's going to cost this much to pay for flights and it's going to cost this much for hotels. Foods will cost this much that we looked at that grand total. It's like, all right, well, do we still want to do this? It's like, yeah, we, we, we it's still worth it. We paid for, you know, most of the expenses, flight, hotel, I think like two meals per day. Um, so like for our staff, just be able to show up, be there and just live and learn. They also like were really appreciative, kind of like what mm -hmm. you were saying. They're just like, thank you so much for this opportunity. For us, we're like, of course, this is training, this is a job, but for them, there was like a, a full experience that they got to get. Yeah. And I think it also, to your point, you know, we do take it very seriously of like the company culture with it mm -hmm. being us too for so long. Like when we expand that, like we really want to make it feel like you're joining this play black wall street family like right. yes yeah. we're a company yes we're an organization but we really wanted to feel like a tight-knit group who all shares this general uh you know collective values or um you know company culture that we all agree upon like if you're joining this organization you agree upon these things um just so that we can make sure that as our mentors are going out as representatives of our company um you know it basically as extensions of ourselves right mm -hmm. as much as possible it, it, it's so hard to be hands-off with certain things you know when we first ran this program devon was the one teaching the curriculum which obviously is like a slam dunk because we know he <laughs> well thank you queen oh yes of course <laughs> um we know he delivers the the material well he engages with students so well so to bring on other folks to be able to expand and scale the program. Like it literally cannot be you every time. Right. So we really had to start 
putting the focus, the energy, the money, the intention into training these folks that are going to represent our business. And yeah, I mean, we, we're about putting the money behind our mouths. So, yeah. well, yeah, we, we talked about doing this. We wanted to do it the year prior, didn't, couldn't make it happen. So when we were financially able to make it happen, it was, it, we had to do it. And yeah, um, from the feedback from the team was like, this has been just so, so impactful, so amazing. So it's definitely something we, we got to continue and just budget for. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. I think that one of the things that really refreshed the idea of inviting y'all back on the podcast was the posts or were the posts I was seeing with introducing the mentors uh, oh. to people on social media. Like I would just be scrolling through stories. So one, shout out to good social media marketing. Uh, but two, I would see these black faces, like got to play Black Wall Street branding. I'm like, oh, like I'm, who is this person? Like, I want to see who the faces are behind what you're doing. And yeah, I think that what you were just saying with regards to like a culture and being a part of a family, like that's just so important. And uh, part of the conversation I want to have with y'all today is about entrepreneurship and just all the different layers that go underneath it. Because I think we talk a lot about becoming entrepreneurs. We talk a lot about getting your LLC. We talk about ideas that people have for things. And I think that it's important for us to really also be able to talk through the logistics, talk through those other layers beneath, because that's knowledge that is going to help empower people to when they have those original ideas to be able to get to that execution of them. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I wanted to pursue an MBA, like just to get a lot of knowledge about what does it take to be a good business person? Uh, but before we get too deep into that conversation, I want to rewind a little bit. Uh, Devon, you recently had a birthday and there was a specific post that you put on social media that I just want you to share a little bit about with our listeners. What was so significant about this past birthday? Oh, yeah. Uh, and before I get into that, I wanted to do one. You talked about the social media. Uh, so something that we changed this year with our it's crazy to say company culture. I feel like we actually have like a, a functioning mm-hmm. company with with team members and a comp- actual culture. Uh, we started a social media committee, right? So we have you know four folks on that social media committee. They meet every other week to create content, schedule out content. Uh, they'll they'll send stuff to me like, all right, how do you like this campaign? Do you like this wording? Um, but really, it's like eighty five percent, you know, Jai, Isaiah, Maxwell, like them them running it. So really appreciate the work that y'all are doing and the fact that you're scrolling and seeing it. Huge smile. I'm gonna make sure that they know that in tomorrow's team meeting because that that's a win. Um, now to the birthday, and in case you didn't know, the queen also had a birthday this year. Hers this was year. well, yo, oh, every every year, right? But, you know, where we're five days uh, apart or 300, 300 days apart, 390, 360 days. Oh, you, you count them. Okay. 360 <laughs> days apart. Um, So I'll let the, the queen talk about her birthday after, after mine, because hers was probably slightly more turned up than mine. Just, just ever so slightly. <laughs> um, But this year, y'all, or let me rewind last year in 2023, I made a promise to myself and I was saying, the mantra was free the king, right? Free the king. In 2021, the mantra was to, to free the queen, and we were able to do that. Uh, and freeing means like being having the opportunity to leave her nine to five job. So, and then going into 2023, we had that same vision and same mantra for me free the king. We want to be able to have him leave his nine to five job if he so chooses next year. Um, so, on my birthday, which is February 9th, one of the greatest years of the world, you know, I mean, greatest days of the year, you feel me. Uh, I had a speaking engagement 
And it was my first ever speaking engagement as a full-time employee of Play Black Wall Street. Uh, yeah, it was just a, a, a really dope vibe. Um, I did the video at the very end of my presentation. I asked the teacher, hey, do you mind if I do a quick video? I'll just record me. I won't record the students. Uh, she was like, oh, yeah, no problem. So then I went through my, my speech and I let them know that, hey, this is my birthday. This is my first full-time speaking engagement as a full-time employee of my own company. And they all just started cheering and singing 18,000 different versions of happy birthday. <laughs> um, and it was just a really good vibe because I always work on my birthday. Right. And mm. friends were, were calling me, texting me, Ona, Markel. They're like, oh, bro, you know, hope you have a good birthday. Hope you take the day off. Do something for you because they just know I'm always working. I'm always doing right. something for other people. But for me, that's the ultimate gift for me. Right. The fact that I'm still alive to make an impact, the fact that I'm still alive to be able to give my speech, inspiration, wisdom, whatever it is to someone else another year is a gift. So I just I want to give, man. So. That was my birthday this year. I'm getting old. I have gray hairs, but uh, my, my hairline's still strong. So I'm not complaining. <laughs> the hairline's still strong so far. Knock on wood. Hey, I can't see the gray hairs from here. So hey, there we go. And I'm not, I don't plan on dying them. So if you don't see them, they they somewhere hiding. <laughs> um, but we Sinclair, also, how was your birthday? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was gonna do the same segue. My bad. Let me let me ease back. I'm not hosting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I actually turned 30 on February 4th, just five days uh, prior to him. Um, so that was just big. Like, I always call him like old man because he's basically a full year older than me. And he always treats me like I'm a whole younger generation, even Listen, though we're not even a full year apart. He is today, man. But anyways... <laughs> <laughs> I've been on him about like being an old man since he turned 30 and I was still in my twenties. Um, so <laughs> no, it was, it was just surreal to be like, wow, I'm really 30. Like when you're, and we were talking about how, like when you're younger, 30 feels so old. Right. Like it, I feel like you're, there's kids and then adults and like adult ages are just like, after after like 20 you're just old and <laughs> yeah. so it's just crazy to think about now that I'm 30 because I still feel so young and youthful and like yeah it's just weird but um we went to Belize to celebrate um so us and some some friends and my brother uh went to Belize and uh yeah we just had a great great time it was a very holistic trip we had a couple of days just him and I where we got to explore the Mayan ruins um and yeah it, it was just really fun um you know once everybody else joined we had a good time eating good food Great exploring food. going to the beach snorkeling um just all the things and i love to travel so uh i i wish i could take a trip every year on my birthday <laughs> that's that's my gift to me is uh travel <laughs> he likes to work i like to travel and explore for sure um but no i i had really a great time and um yeah it, it was a it was a great trip yes it was yeah it sounds amazing and uh following devon on social media i get to see some of the some of the uh, reels and videos and stories from the trip so i'm just happy to see black folks out here just enjoying life uh, living in a youth because even when you say you turn 30 I was like dang y'all are young like young as hell yes <laughs> like like we are young um yeah. because I I agree with what Sinclair said about when you're a kid and we talk about like childhood looking into us like to see what we're doing at this age as a kid this seems like we're 
super old, but we're like really young. We're getting started in this and we're thriving in all that we're doing. Uh, Y'all got me inspired to start thinking about what I'm going to do for my birthday this year. Now I want to travel some more too, for sure. Oh yeah. What's, what's on the list? What, what, what's top three destinations? Uh, right now, last year on my birthday, I went to a Laker playoff game and that was a really dope birthday. So, uh, so one of the destinations is going to be crypto.com arena. Inglewood. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh no, nah, but, uh, I definitely want to go back to Paris for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to go to Tokyo. Uh, Ooh, Devon, you mentioned Pokemon earlier, and I was like, I did not know you like Pokemon like that. We need to start a Pokemon podcast on the side. Oh, yeah. Listen, uh, I, <laughs> so, you know, it's going to cause a little bit more stress, but I had the ultimate Pokemon card collection before mm-hmm. going off to college. And I thought I was doing my little brother a service. And Demetrius, you know, I love you. I, I thought I was doing him a service. I was like, here are my cards. I am gifting these to you as the next generation. At the time, he was like 10 years old. So I was like, here, you're going to use them more than me. I come back after I graduate, and he doesn't know where the cards are. Oh. I had like shining Charizard, you like all types of just really rare cards. Easily a five to $10,000 portfolio of cards that are somewhere lost in the abyss. Mm, mm, mm. It's hurtful. It's hurtful. But I say that to say, hey, let, yes, let's start the Pokemon podcast. <laughs> in all our ample free time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tokyo's on the list. Greece is on the list. Uh, I have friends with family on the continent in Ghana, Nigeria. So definitely mm-hmm. want to be able to travel out there with them. Uh, the only places I've been, well, I shouldn't say only, the places I have been out of the country thus far, Amsterdam and Paris. Uh, so just trying to get more stamps in that passport for sure. Yep. Nice. Those are all good places. I hear, great things about... <laughs> I hear really good things about Tokyo. Got to add that to our list. I hear the food is... Chef's mm-hmm. kiss for sure. Uh, so birthday came around this year, uh, celebrating being full-time entrepreneurs. What don't they tell you about full-time entrepreneurship? Like, I know that's an open-ended question, but what don't they tell you? What's top of mind when I ask that? Yeah, I mean, I'm still still new to it, right? I'm, I'm four days in the game, strong. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I know is on the horizon is you need your own health insurance, right? Which I feel like they make it seem like it's impossible to get, right? Like, oh, don't leave that job. You'll never be able to get benefits again. No, you can still pay for your own benefits. It's, it's like yeah. $500 a month. You can have your, your dental, your vision, your health, all of that. So um, that's something just to look out for and budget and just be intentional about when you go full time and make sure you can't afford that extra five to six hundred a month to take care of yourselves and your dependents. Um, but I feel like the for me, I just had a lot of anxiety and a lot of I don't know, like uneasiness with going full time, even though we have the business, we have the employees, we have the the cash flow. It's still like, but now this is the only source of income. Right. Like mm-hmm. right now, it's all on your actions and your wife's actions. And if y'all don't perform, then the whole company is going down. That That's my very dramatic head <laughs> at night as we're sitting down watching Netflix and eating dinner. I'm just like, but if you're not working right now, Devon, <laughs> the company's going to implode. <laughs> um, so I, I don't think they yeah, I'm I'm, I'm over the hump. So a lot, a lot of free therapy sessions with the queen, mm-hmm. uh, talks with my mentors. I'm, I'm over the hump now, but I think 
in making that first decision in those first couple of days, there was just a little bit of uncertainty about what will the money look like moving forward. Um, so I would just say, you know, make your plan, have your plan, have your budget for your income, your business expenses, uh, the new expenses that may come like insurance after you leave your full-time job, have that plan, have your critical actions that you need to do to make the money and revenue each month and just go for it. Um, for me, I've been, since I left my nine to five, um, so I've been in the, in the full-time game a little bit, a little bit longer, you know, welcome, Better it. welcome to the club. <laughs> time, time is something that they don't tell you about in terms of like how you spend your time. Like, Let me clarify. They don't tell you about time? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of school did you go to growing up? Allow me to clarify. Um, the math is, oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> Shut up, Devon. I'm leaving my nine to five. So I have eight more hours in the day to spend towards this business. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have so much more free time. I'm going to have so much. So time. much more, so much more time. Uh -huh. I, it just, where does it go? You wake up, <laughs> you send some emails and it's four o'clock. <laughs> like it's just the, oh, the, you start just filling your time with things and hopefully it's productive things. But I think the misconception is that you have so much more time to do mm. things. And that's just not the case because as you free up your schedule, you also fill it up. Um, and I know even for me, I do still have a part-time job. So like having that to do in the mornings and then in the, in the afternoons, it's like, I have my set things I want to do, but then we got like, random quotes that'll be coming in like and he'll be like okay i need you to send this quote real quick okay i need to do this thing real quick and it's like okay i do these things Ugh, an hour has passed two hours has passed i still have my to-do list like the day is over already and i feel like i didn't accomplish anything um so yeah i feel like that's it's just a it's a misconception that once you quit your job you have more time mm -hmm. um you're probably going to be spending the same amount of time if not more um when you you know transition into working as entrepreneur it's just spent differently, right? It's just spent on things to keep the business afloat, to um, make sure that the business is is running, right? Um, because that becomes, again, the priority. When you're clocking into a nine to five, um, you're just kind of going through the motions, right? Because your check is not dependent on the actions that you're taking. Mm -hmm. As long as you're showing up and doing the actions, you're getting paid. Once you switch that over to now being an entrepreneur, it just feels like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta do that. Right. So we can get this check in because our livelihood depends on, depends on it. So yeah, I think that's, that's what I've noticed in my time as a full time ish entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just think about how with a capitalist society, I feel like when we work, like you mentioned, you work that nine to five, then whatever free time you have, you're spending into whatever your passion is, your creative project. And now when you have so much free time, you're not dedicating like so much to what other people want you to do or playing a role in other people's systems and other people's structures. You're able to put full time into being very intentional about building what you're building. And I think for me, at least, that's one of those key indicators of influential and successful entrepreneurs is if they do have that level of intentionality to where they are using that time to be intentional about the logistics, to be intentional about the marketing, about the people part of the job. 
And uh, one of the questions I had written here in preparation for this, I was thinking through the fact that people see the final 90 second reel you post on Instagram, people see the final podcast episodes you put out, but they don't see all the time that goes into putting those things together. And that's not including the hours of education that's gone into this, the reading, the learning that goes into some of the things that we create. And uh, just was wondering if y'all could peel back the curtain a little bit to talk through like some of those logistical pieces of Play Black Wall Street about the business that you all run and how that all just plays into your vision for what you're creating. Ooh, that was a lot. We can we can go a lot of different ways here. But one of the things you talked about was was content. So I will run down the the content rabbit hole. You can go down insurance or bills, whatever it is that you do, the stuff that I don't like. <laughs> whatever it is <laughs> whatever. you do over there in the office of yours. All those operation stuff that I don't like. Um, but each episode for Black Study Snacks is about 10 to 15 minutes long. And the purpose of that, again, is to provide bite-sized knowledge for hungry, melanated minds. We want to make sure that we're not having it. No no disrespect to the hour, two-hour, three-hour long Club Shay Shay episodes, because I'll sit there and I'll watch them, right? But I think <laughs> most people aren't going to sit down and watch an hour, two-hour, three-hour long episode, especially if it's educational. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's one. Number two, um, African-American or AP African-American studies classes just started out here in California this fall or last fall. Um, they're gonna have their first AP exam, I believe this spring in 2024. So as I was starting to, to see like, okay, this is a new AP exam. Uh, I wanna make sure that more people have the opportunity to take black studies, African-American studies in high school. So that means that these students need to do well and students you know, in the next couple of years needed to do well or else they'll probably drop the course. So what's something that I can provide that can possibly help students pass this AP exam? That's kind of the, foundation mm -hmm. of black study snacks um now preparation it takes probably a week to two weeks of reading right and uh, right now I i'm reading a, a life of black history by Catherine goggins and it's about carter g woodson really good book definitely if you're interested in uh learning about negro history week carter g woodson is the founder of negro history week the father of black studies so it was dope to just learn about his life ins and out uh, but it takes probably two weeks of reading another week and a half and this can be overlapping of writing down the script and taking notes and then it'll probably take two hours of me sitting here going back and forth on the script messing up clicking pause going back and forth all to produce a 10 to 15 minute, beautiful, powerful, black history nerd episode. Um, but I love every minute of it. Sure. <laughs> because as you can see, like there's plenty of books behind us. I do have a slightly impulsive problem of just buying books whenever something feels <laughs> feels interesting or there's a piece of history that I want to learn. Feel that. <laughs> yeah, just, just buy a book. It'll get here in two days. Um, there were some books that were like very black studies focused and I couldn't find them on Amazon. So I had to go to another store that took nine days. And I was like, Oh my God, where are the books? But in our mailbox. Yeah. They're, they just arrived. It's beautiful. I, I ordered like the last day of Belize to make sure that they got here when we got back mm. strategic. Um, long story short, I'm, I'm going to read anyway, as a, as a scholar, I'm going to learn and develop myself anyway. Cause as I learn more about black studies, I feel more confident, comfortable in my own skin. So if I'm going to learn this stuff anyway, the podcast was a great way for me to just kind of transform some of that knowledge, archive some of that knowledge, and hopefully be able to gift it 
to other people. Uh, so that's a little bit of the the veil of Black Study Snacks. Now over to you, Sinclair, with operations. <laughs> uh, so yeah, on the operations side, I am not involved in the social media aspect. Luckily, uh, Devon with the podcast, um, our social media team has been doing a great job. So I'm pretty hands-off when it comes to social media. Thank you, <laughs> because that's not my bag. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to your point on like people only see what's presented, for me, that comes to mind and like, um, and kind of where I work in the business is like, when the students experience our program, right? They see mm -hmm. the mentors uh, talking about this curriculum. They see this face value of what the program we've created is. They do not see the hours of finding the insurance policy we needed, the three to four to five insurance policies we needed to be able to work with this vendor, right? They don't see the um, the the time researching the business license and you know just all of the check all checking all the boxes that we need to even be working with a school or a school district. Just the minimum qualifications. The minimum qualifications, <laughs> like, and you know we're talking about. We're talking about like the topic of insurance is that's a lot of where I spend my time, but even like taxes, right? Things like, okay, we're starting to, uh, you know, pay employees. Didn't know anything about employment taxes, <laughs> employer taxes or anything like that, right? These are all things that I've just learned on the job, but those are, again, the things that our mentors get paid. They don't see all of the hours of research I had to do on how to pay taxes and what does this mean and what is this and, and disability insurance and like all of these things that, um, you don't, you're not taught, right? I, I have my MBA as well. And I was taught none of this, none of this. Um, so there's some things that you don't learn until you're in the thick of it. So, um, yeah, it just takes a lot of like, oh, okay, well now we need to do this. Well, let me get on Google and figure it out. Um, and I've just gotten very comfortable with, we're going to start this venture. We're going to do it. And we're just going to figure it out as we go. Right. Sometimes we don't know what we need to do until we get a letter in the mail. <laughs> and uh, we just take action. Um, and yeah, I would say that that's, that's what I'm uh, typically spending a lot of my time doing is like all of the behind the scenes work to make sure that we as a business are in good standing and can continue to offer our services. Because of course, it would be tragic to get to a point where, you know, we don't have our ducks in a row. We don't have something, some qualification that we need. And now we can't work with the school because there's so many downstream things that would happen, right? Our mentors don't get paid. The students don't get the the knowledge. Um, whatever potential entrepreneurs would have been created from this program aren't created. Um, so I feel like it's uh, there's a, it's a lot of responsibility to make sure that we got these, these ducks in a row and things are also ever-changing. So it's also just staying on top of it um, and being agile. Yeah. So beautifully stated by both of you. Um, I think that Thinking through what you all just said made me think a lot about even the creation of the podcast that I have and just some of the experience and thought that went into wanting to create long form content for people to be able to talk through some of these things because um, I worked as operations coordinator at UCSD before. So when I'm looking at operations or something, I, I think first and foremost, like, oh, there's a person doing this stuff. Like there's someone who has to do these things or someone who has to file these things and, uh, having conversations with those people doing every part of that job. That's why I love 
learning about like movies so much because a movie you have this hour and a half long content uh, but who are the set coordinators who are the stunt coordinators who are uh, the costume designers and when we look at what you all have done with play black wall street uh, i'm happy that we had that first episode is kind of like context to the history of the board game creating a board game and now just getting to know more about the process behind the board game the processes that y'all have to go through to make things happen and yeah, I just I'm looking forward to people being able to hear some of these stories and help inform what they may need to do as they start to build out their own business endeavors, uh, because okay. these stories are important. Facts, facts. And if I if I can add just a little bit more to that for folks, because um, Queen, you said something very, very good er earlier, but you were saying talking about how for a long time, Play Black Wall Street, True Off Forever, M4, whatever the venture was, it was me and you, right? It was just yeah, us kind of kind of grinding it out. But we had to make a shift. And that shift, I think, came in early 2022 was when that shift started on, okay, we have team members joining. But I don't think in 2022, we actually spent the time to think about company culture. Mm -hmm. I think we didn't really start to think about company culture until 2023. We had a leadership uh, kind of retreat where we really sat down for, it was like four days, three or four days and we mapped out okay what are our values like we know who we are we know our values but now that we have a team of 12 13 people we need to really solidify what specifically are our values what specifically is our mission like we've had some missions before and we kind of know what we're doing but if we were to tell somebody what the mission is for the company what would be the mission what's our specific vision like we didn't necessarily map out all those things in a way that our team members can learn and communicate them. So now fast forward to today after our four day uh, business retreat back in 2023, um, at the top of every single Play Black Wall Street meeting, we read our mission, our vision, we talk about our core purpose, we talk about our core values, we talk about our four goals for the next two years. Um, and we don't just read them, like we have our team members, hey, Hey, can you read this? Hey, can you read this? And it gets ingrained to where now they know our critical actions, they know our values, and they know what our goals are. So when they're out and they see someone who works for a different school district, or they have a fraternity brother that works in education, or their mom is this, they know exactly what we're trying to do. So they, they're they making those connections for us. Um, so I think it's great to just, to your point, see the extensions of us, the extensions of Playback Wall Street, be able to move in these different spaces, all with the same vision and goal in mind. Absolutely. And it's an honor to be the podcast that y'all trust to help amplify some of that value and some of that mission as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look, we're looking for the three P like Kobe and Shaq. Come on, bring us back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, y'all can keep coming back to the banquet hall as much as y'all want. We, it's an endless buffet. The banquet hall is buffet style. Love it. Nice. Love it. Love, Love a good it. buffet. Love a good buffet. We haven't had a <laughs> no. We had Brazilian barbecue. That's a buffet. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> uh, speaking of food and going back to Black Study snacks, uh, you mentioned Black Study snacks, and this is something that's relatively new, at least new to the listeners of the Banquet Hall podcast. And I actually listened to a couple of the episodes this morning in preparation for this, and very good content. So kudos to you for that. Uh, why why are you look confused when I say that? No, it wasn't. I was I was just leaning, bracing myself for the for the feedback. I do appreciate uh critiques though. 
that will help me be better podcast host or better educator. Mm-hmm. So if you have someone you were listening, you were like, mm, you know, he could have did this or oh, what if he? I'm I'm here for it. All right, I, I definitely I'll take you up on that. I'll give you some feedback uh, okay. when I tap into a couple more episodes. Okay. Uh, but wanted you to have an opportunity to talk a little bit about Black Study Snacks and kind of the thought process behind it. And I was hoping we could like get into a grander conversation in the time we have left just about African-American studies and the importance of Black studies in general. Uh, so what's what was the thought process behind Black Studies Snacks? Oh, yeah. So I actually, I started this YouTube series, Black Studies Snacks, back in 2021. Um, and honestly, some of that content is still good and maybe I can reuse it for the podcast. But the thought was, again, to just increase the level of access to Black Studies for me, I didn't consume Black Studies until freshman year of college, taking AS10 with Dr. Andrea Smith-Moore. That was my first, I guess, exposure to Black excellence through curriculum. Um, and it literally changed, I think, the trajectory of my life, like being able to see people that look like me, that built cities, that wrote poetry, that did research, that just walked in Black excellence, changed how I walked myself. So going forward, you know, that's the same reason why we started play Black Wall Street to begin with and created Black Wall Street, the board game it was to expose people to history and Black excellence. So now looking at Black Study Snacks and seeing the impact that our uh, M4 show podcast was able to have, right? I was like, okay, how can we take the power of the podcast that we already do each week with uh, teaching wealth and kind of relationship vibes? How can we take that to now teach and increase Black Studies? Um, and then again, I, I've, I've said this, I'm, I'm a book nerd, so I'm spending all types of money getting these Black Studies books and history books and just reading and not putting that knowledge anywhere, not putting it to work, not giving it momentum. So also thinking, what's a vehicle as Devon Travell, I can continue to read and be a scholar, but also actually put some of this knowledge to good use and not just have random Black history facts in my head that I tell my <laughs> wife <laughs> randomly. You'd be like, did, did you know? You didn't know? No, he he says it in that fashion. That. He'll be like, "Oh yeah, you didn't know in 1977." I'm like, "No, the average person doesn't know that." You're, which uh, it's good to have the information, but yes, right. put it to use. Aside from yes, did you know <laughs> yes, to me? Uh, but yeah, that's that was really the the vibe and motivation of Black Study Snacks. Um, so then fast forwarding to like why why is Black Studies important, right? So for me, again, growing up, I was in the the San Fernando Valley. And Black history was a, a blink in the curriculum, right? And that blink was hyper-focused on, one, the transatlantic slave trade, and then two, civil rights. And that was like the, the, the one-two combo of Black history that you got, at least that I got as a, as a kid in, in my K-12 through experience. And that exposure to that particular history didn't necessarily leave me prideful of being Black. Right. And again, there's nothing. It was a tremendous feat for our ancestors to even survive the enslavement of of our people. It was a tremendous um, victory for us to go through that civil rights. So I'm not downing those things. I'm just thinking from my perspective as a student, right, as a 12 year old, as a 15 year old, as a 16 year old sitting in those classes and seeing people that look like me always in oppressive situations, it didn't make me stand up strong with my chest, right? And that, that could be just me. But when I went to college, 
And I learned about the Harlem Renaissance. And I learned about the mm-hmm. Negro movement. I learned about Tulsa's Black Wall Street. And I learned about Bronzeville. And I learned that a hundred years ago, before internet, there were people that looked like me that started businesses, solved problems, doctors, lawyers, teachers, uh, people that started garage companies, like all types of walks of life that lived happily, had wealth, and walk with pride. Now I'm now I'm walking with my chest up. Right now I'm walking <laughs> a little bit different. And you know, kind of the, the theme of the, the my uh my experience with the podcast today is I wanted to give that experience to other people, right? And uh, we do that through Black Study Snacks, and that's why I think Black Studies is important to teach more often because it will uplift our community, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't have much to add there aside from, you know, I also had a similar experience of pretty much, you know, slave trade, civil rights. Like that's, that's all I really remember learning about. Um, and then was kind of blown away once I got to take my uh, first African and African-American studies class as well. Same class, different professor. Um, and just so much, the fact that I was able to learn all of this in an elective class, which should be mandatory for everybody. Um, but um, yeah, it, re- it also just opened my eyes to a lot of things that I was completely unaware of. And um, yeah, especially just the amount of knowledge that this man has. And every now and then I'll say like, wow, isn't it crazy that like this? And he's like, actually, no, it's not crazy because based <laughs> on you know history and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, wow, like it all makes sense. And it all uh, ties together, but it all... I feel like to his point, there's not a lot of focus on black people in success, um, Mm -hmm. successful scenarios, right? Even when we talk about black wall street, we do a lot of tabling. We were just at the black college expo. And one of the questions we always like to ask is one of the first questions when somebody comes up is, are you familiar with Tulsa's black wall street? And most people who say yes, if you ask like, Oh, what do you know about it? And they say it was a black community that got destroyed, right? Mm -hmm. All anybody, most people know is that it got destroyed. But when you ask them like, oh, what do you know about the actual community? They're like, oh, it was just, you know, successful black town. And it's not their fault because this information is not out there, right? There's not a lot of information actually uplifting these communities that your focus is just on that they got destroyed. Again, more oppression. So we really wanted to put the focus on that thriving community, right? Here are some of the businesses that were thriving before they got destroyed. Um, You know, some of the great entrepreneurs that were making impact in their communities. Um, so I think yeah, even when it comes to the Black Wall Street and and what people are, we're so happy it's coming to light, but the information that's coming to light is still the, the oppressive history. So I think mm-hmm. it's important to uplift the successes of our culture as well. That's, I think, the most empowering things to learn. Ashe, Ashe to everything y'all just said. Um, I just think through like what you say about that period of black history when we're growing up being like a blink, like I think in the moments and as we talk about DEI in the classroom and like a more all encompassing view of our history as peoples, people talk about like, oh, like they're doing all of this. And it's like, we're adding a class to people growing up. Like we need to have more than just one or two pages about slavery in a history book, because the fact that we're in our late twenties, early thirties, talking about this is just a blink. We need our children to grow up where they remember listening to the black study snacks podcast, going to school. Like they learn those 
histories through listening to content like that. And I think especially, I think in this age, you're seeing a lot of people question whether or not they should go to college when they could just learn things this way. If people are choosing not to go the collegiate route and be able to study Black studies in a classroom, I think it's so important for us to bring what we have learned in our own Black studies classes to people in the ways that we can. So I don't want to give out too much free game on the banquet hall. So I want folks to be able to tune in <laughs> to the Black Studies Snacks podcast. Uh, I was listening to an episode earlier this morning, like I mentioned, uh, there were there's recommendations for jobs that you can get if you study Black studies. And I think that's a question that a lot of people ask, especially parents. They're like, oh, well, what kind of job you can get for that? And so shameless plug, where could I listen to that episode at? Great question. Thank you. And you can go to uh, Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify and just search for Black Studies Snacks, all spelled normal. Black Study Snacks. You'll see Devon Travell's smiling, melanated face right there. Make sure y'all click follow, click like. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, and one last little plug for Black Studies as just a academic field. Um, Dr. Malefi Asante, the founder of Afrocentricity, talks about learning about yourself and learning Black Studies as a healing of your own psyche right and i think wade wade nobles talks about this as well in his book seeking the saku which is a great book very mm -hmm. dense and i think that can be a whole season of black study snacks in itself a really great book but again, he also talks about how our minds in this european centric education system similar to what dr carter g Woodson is talking about our minds have been disrupted Right. And just the the language that we speak, being English, the history that we know, the way that we perceive ourselves has all been disrupted because of how we're taught in America. And by teaching yourself black studies, exposing yourself to these black studies scholars, you're able to better heal who you are and walk in who you truly were meant to be. So I think that's what I've literally experienced in learning black history and learning about myself. I've been able to heal myself and become a greater version of myself. So a huge plug, whether you listen to Black Study Snacks, whether you uh, listen to, to Banquet Hall, whether you get a minor in African-American studies, just somehow, some way, learn just a little bit about who you are and your ancestors. Um, black history is all over the globe. Like there's places in, in China, Japan, Colombia, Belize, Jamaica, of course, Africa, America. So you can learn all types of history all through the lens of Black Studies. So Go have some fun, y'all. Uh, I'm going to tell my producer, which is myself, to clip that because that's that's the episode right there. Mm. <laughs> he said my, my producer. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, like, I think that that's it right there. Like, this is very Black Black History Month episode of the Bank of Hall, I feel like I'm rocking mm -hmm. with it. Um, yep. But what you just said is just so powerful. And I think that's exactly how it felt to be in a classroom with, I was blessed to have a Black male faculty, Dr. Dennis Childs, uh, teaching my first, actually, the first class I took was a literature as an African-American English class that ended up being our AAS 10 class uh, in short African-American studies. And just my I could feel my brain rewiring when you hear like the history wow. of our people like in that way from another black voice uh having book recommendations where this is a black person and uh like we keep mentioning that blink of an eye black history month topic in middle school high school uh now I'm being presented with a uh, Rita Sada 
like that's a very powerful book for me to be able to read and mm. just learn. So uh, thank you for the recommendation. Thank you for the content that you're putting out there. And I echo just encouraging listeners to find some way to engage with your history. And even if you're not Black listening, it's whatever your culture, your identities that you hold, uh, be able to do a deep dive into that rich cultural history. Mm-hmm. I'll say. I know we're getting to the tail end of the podcast. So just a few more questions. I uh, want to make sure our guests lead this episode, really getting to know more about y'all as individuals. Uh, so I have a dreaming question and I have a Zen question for y'all. Uh, starting with dreams first, if I invite y'all both to dream with me for a bit, what is your dream for the world that you and I will inhabit in the future? Oh my God. Just- <laughs> Hey, I'm a poet and a podcast, so you got to remember that. <laughs> yeah, what is your dream? Um, so real quick, Queen, you see the the warning sign. Yeah. If you don't mind, my backpack is in the living room, has the charger. Thank you, love. That gives y'all time to think of the answer, too. Yes, yes. And that's why she's going to go first, because I know she, was, <laughs> she wants some time to think about it. Um, now, what is my dream for the world? And there is a second part to that. Uh, so it's just a dream you have for the world that you and I will have it in the future. So just any one of your dreams, uh, wow. just something that you want to see in the future. Because I think it's really inspiring when you hear people talk about like some of their vision for uh, the world that we're going to have it. And I think that could be a personal dream. That can be uh, just something you want to see in the future. Just let us into your dream a little bit. It's Black yeah. History Month. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... Honestly, I don't have dreams with the world in mind. So I need to I need to think maybe a little bit bigger after this, uh, Kyler. Um, but I know for sure a dream that I have for my own ambitions is I want to be a part of building some type of city and community. Uh, of course, you know, I love the history of Tulsa Black Wall Street, love the history of Bronzeville, love the history of Mansa Musa and the Empire of Mali. So a lot of the things that I'm attracted to as far as history is about building communities and building communities for people. So I want to be a part of doing that. Um, number two, put it in the in the dongle, love. Um, number two is by the year 2053, according to economists, they say that the average black family wealth is supposed to go to zero, Kyler the fourth. That's what they say. They say by 2053, the median black family wealth will be zero. My dream is to shatter that statistic and make it 100,000, 190,000, 200,000, whatever, whatever it is, right? Because I was in my speaking engagement that I did for my birthday at local high school. I told them that stat. And I was like, how old are y'all going to be in 2053? They're like, I'll be like 45. I was like, can you believe that these people think that you're worth, right? This 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 is your future. They think that your net worth is going to be zero. Your net worth is going to be zero. Yeah, do y'all believe that? They're like, no, no. Like, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> right? So they were getting real pumped up. Um, but I think that's another just, you know, small future that I see is one, um, being able to be a part of building a community. It's a huge dream of mine. And then another dream is to be able to wake up 2053, alive, healthy with my beautiful family and look at the average net worth of the black community, not be zero and be above, well above zero. Ashe, Ashe. Thank you, Queen. Thank you, Queen. Um, agreed with everything you said. Mm -hmm. I think in addition, I would love to see a world where, um, black health and wellness Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. taught 
is prioritized. Um, and I would say even, I would say black health and wealth actually. Cause I think, I think they go hand in hand, first of all. Um, but I think that we, because of uh, our history, because of just society, I think um, so many of us are forced to operate in a place of scarcity. And I think if you're in that, in that situation, in that mindset, it doesn't leave a lot of room for you to dream. It doesn't leave a lot of room for you to focus on wellness. It doesn't leave a lot of room for you to focus on wealth building for your family. So I would love to see us get to a, a point where, yes, the average black family, it has like family wellness um, principles, if you will, values that are passed mm -hmm. down to the next generation. Um, whether it's, you know, family prayer, whether it's, family workouts, we go on a walk after we eat dinner, we eat together, right? Mm. Um, those little things, um, I think, can really change the trajectory of our community. So that's what I would love to see. And of course, mm. through our work, I hope that we're moving, you know, moving the needle in that direction mm. as well. And, you know, once we start our family, those are things that we'll be implementing uh, with our with our little ones as well. So um, yeah, that would be my dream. Cool. Beautiful, beautiful dreams. Um, for those of y'all who aren't familiar with Sinclair, definitely check out more of the Play Like Wall Street story to learn more about your health education background. Uh, health is very important. So I definitely love that that was included in your dream. And Devon, that was really powerful what you said about engaging with those students and letting them know like, hey, y'all are going to be 45 and this is what they're predicting for you. Like, I think that's so powerful for our youth, our youth to be able to hear. And I think it ties right into uh, what I would say is one of my dreams for the world that will inhabit is that our children are able to grow up without a doubt that they could be whatever they want to be. Like they mm -hmm. see it in the media, they see it in the movies. Yeah. Uh, there's all types of black women superhero. Black Panther isn't the only black superhero costume that you see on Halloween. Uh, podcasts like this are just normal where we have people that are black at whatever age range talking about their success stories and our youth just wake up and they're like, Hey, I want to be this, this day, this, the other day. And no matter what they say, we're able to point them to like, Hey, I may not know somebody, but uncle Devon knows somebody, your, yep. your cousin yep. knows somebody like just, I think that's love for our community for sure. For sure. It's also love that your kids go call me uncle. Respect that. <laughs> I, took, I took that note. King. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah. You, you part of the village. At least I'm speaking into existence. You were part of the village. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm also coincidentally, this is not an announcement, working on a superhero story that is almost done. We just did a, a read through the queen read it and had like six other people read it. We did like reading sessions at each week, um, got some really good feedback. And now it's up to me to kind of do some rewriting, but, uh, mm. that's, oh, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for it. More, more black stories out more, there. More, more. Yeah, um, that's, that's that's somewhere even for that's probably late this year or early next year. Next time we're on the podcast, I'm about to say that sounds like the three peat episode. Ooh. <laughs> you beat me to it. Yeah, if we so you usually do it like a, a year, you usually do like uh, a year out. That's just universal timing being coincidental. I just happened uh, to hit you up a year after we did the last one. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. It could be Four. six months out, it could be a year out. Whenever you're ready for the three P to happen, we make it happen. That's the bank of uh, hall rule. There, there it is. Well, when the book is done, I'll hit you up. It'll be done 
within the year. I don't know about six months though. That's that's kind of wild. <laughs> hey, it's it's my belief in you. It's my belief in you. It's not it's not wild. It's not wild. <laughs> uh, and then what is your Zen place? This is a question that I've been asking on some of the newer episodes of the podcast. And by Zen place, I mean, where's a physical place you go to or a set of circumstances that you like to create that bring you to a peaceful state of mind? Mm-hmm. You want a first or second? Well, yours going to be any beach. <laughs> Period. <laughs> um, yeah, the beach is, is literally my happy place. I think down to, it just makes... It is a place where all of my senses are put into just a happy place. The smell of the ocean water, the sound of the waves, the view of the water, like everything about it. Like my skin likes the salt, Um, like everything about it just is like the sun on my face. Like everything about the beach is just like brings me back to, I think, being a part of this world and like reminds me and grounds me that like. I'm a piece of nature and just a reminder of what God has created and just this beautiful, very natural, like um, just very serene place. So um, yes, I love the beach. You're, you're, you, you said like a set of circumstances that you put yourself in to, to be in that Zen. And I have yet to meditate to ocean sounds, but that's just mm. an idea that came to mind that I'm going to try. Thanks. Thanks to you. Ocean sounds. I wish. Um, yeah, I'd probably just like on YouTube or something. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I usually just do quiet, but I feel like ocean sounds might do it for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I love meditating to ocean sounds. So uh, yeah. definitely let me know how that goes. <laughs> I will. I will. You're going you gonna to walk in. I'll be asleep. My Zen place is underneath a beautiful night sky where I can visibly see the stars. Um, so we were in, uh, Zanzibar, East Africa on the rooftop of our little Airbnb situation. We looked up and just saw the milkiest of stars. And like, I feel like I can literally see the Milky Way right now. So beautiful. I was just at peace. Um, and then again, when we were in Belize, we were driving from secret beach back to our hotel on the other side of the island. And I would literally like lean out the golf cart and just look up and like you can just see the beautiful stars. And I was just at, at peace. I could have fell out that golf cart any second, but <laughs> I was just leaning out, feeling really good, really, um, really zen. But yeah, I just, I, for some reason, I, just, I really love stars. Um, set of circumstances that really puts me at peace is most likely when I'm being when I'm being held. Right, by by the queen specifically. No, don't anyone come up to me and just start holding me like, oh, I want to be your safe space. No, no, back up, back up. Um, but yeah, I think because when I'm with 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 the queen, chilling, being held, I feel like usually I'm not working, I'm not doing multiple things. I might be getting a nice scalp rub, maybe I'm getting a massage, but either way, like I'm not worried about anything else. I'm present in that moment. That's usually my my nice zen space as well. Thanks, Queen. Appreciate it. Y'all are so cute or whatever. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> hey, man, try to stay um, young out here. Hey, I feel that. And we're recording this episode just a few hours before Valentine's Day. So yeah. uh, love is definitely in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, my final question for y'all is just y'all's takeaways from this episode. What are y'all taking away with y'all? 
And what do you hope our listeners are taking away from this episode? And either one of y'all can start, uh, but I'll give you all a second to think about it. Actually, and I'll get my takeaway first. And I think that my takeaway, and this could very well be my exact same takeaway from the first episode, but y'all gonna have to go watch that <laughs> to, to, to fact check me. Uh, but just the importance of that genuine human connection and something I love about mm-hmm. Black folks like, our ability to just like get somebody that was up nod or smile at somebody form a connection real quick uh even if it's just bringing out of anywhere because i always just go back to uh that college fair in atlanta georgia you were devon was just an admissions officer at the table next to me we could have yeah. never engaged whatsoever nice. like we both had a very similar job so we would have ended up engaging again in the future but nice. in that moment if we didn't just if you weren't your very sociable like likable self we might not have made that connection. Who knows if we'd be on this podcast right now. And I think those type of genuine connections uh, between folks is just so powerful and impactful. And even with Sinclair, like we, uh, we still, we haven't met in person. I don't think y'all met my dad, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. That taste of soul. Yep. 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 Yeah. Uh, Y'all got to meet the third Kyler. Uh, but just being able to be in community with y'all through Zoom, like I feel like we hang out every holiday. Like this feels like just a mm-hmm. year long reunion where we just chopping it up, laughing. Yep. Uh, it's good vibe. So uh, my takeaway for the listeners is just like make those connections and engage with your people. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, and also shout out to I think I came out to your uh, your poetry event in person in uh, Southeast San Diego. That was mm-hmm. a good vibe. Hopefully you bring those back when you. Uh, come out this way um when you want to go first or second second okay so my my two takeaways and just kind of listening and being here again for the second time is to appreciate the growth that you've had as an entrepreneur Mm. as a person i think sometimes we're caught in the rat race so much that we're just you know worry about comparing ourselves to other people but we really look back at where we were a year ago where we were two years ago like you would be proud of yourself in most situations so really take the time to like really evaluate like dang like what, what did i accomplish this year uh because the fact that yeah, it's been a year since we've been on this podcast and we've accomplished so much been through so much survived so much in that year um just already gives me a lot of uh confidence moving forward to the next year where we're going to be uh, and then the second kind of takeaway is dream a little bit bigger Right. The fact that, you know, you asked us, like, what's your dream for the world? And I was sitting here like, dang, I don't know if I ever really took the world in consideration when I was dreaming. Like, I dream about Mm. myself. I dream about my family. And I think the largest that my dreams go are to the black community. But I don't necessarily dream about the entire world. And we are global people. We do have uh, hopefully a good amount of time left on this planet to, to accomplish a lot. So why not dream big and impact the entire world? So thank you for that. That was a, that was a good one. I'm going to be dreaming big tonight. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, I would say my takeaways, I was really, I've been holding on to that, that question as well. The, the dream conversation and like how I mentioned that, um, I just think it's important to have a bigger vision and then see yourself as a piece of that vision, right? As a, as a needle moving towards that, that grander vision, you yourself may not be able to solve this grand big problem, but you are a part of the community of people that are moving the needle, right? It's the, what's the saying that like rising tide helps all ships or something like that. Lifts all boats. Yeah. 
Um, so right, you're you are one of those boats that is being lifted by the tide type of thing. Um, but I think sometimes when you have a big, big grand vision, sometimes it can at least I start to feel like I'm getting lost in the sauce. Um, like, am I really making a difference? But like when you think and, and look at the the smaller examples of the impact you're able to make, you realize that the broader impact is just a bunch of these smaller impacts. So you making these small impacts with that one interaction you had or with that one social media post that reached 20 people, right? That it's, yeah, like that's, that is how change is made. So um, yeah, for me, I'm just kind of reminding myself that I am part of a bigger vision and that um, my actions are affecting more than just me, more than just us, more than just the immediate people in my circle. Like my, my, calling my um ability to act on you know all of the things i want to do impact the broader community impact the world um yeah just kind of a, this was a nice just refresher that you know i've got i've got impact to make on the world me me as a person right have impact that i can make on the world based on these little steps that i can take on a daily basis so yeah, it's just been kind of a refresher to like get back on the grind um, because yeah, again, those small, those small steps you take make can make a very big impact and can echo and ripple into a, a, gro a broader impact on the world. Ashe, y'all spending the day, huh? Like, uh, like I said, I, I'm my own producer. So when people be giving answers, I'm also thinking about like how the listeners will react to what they're saying. And I'm like, oof, somebody gonna have to write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like this is our first podcast in a minute because we haven't done, we didn't do a podcast in January. Like we did our podcast. We yeah. didn't do anyone else's podcast in January. This, this is the first one of the year for yeah. sure. Feeling good. We're also like a couple days off of the uh, Black Cause Expo. So our, our our voices are almost coming back. So you know, you you getting us, you know, full, full swing. Right, right. Thanks. Hey, hey, we out here. And I appreciate y'all time. I appreciate y'all energy. Yes, and this podcast is very affirming for myself. Hopefully, it's very affirming to y'all as it sounds like it is. Mm -hmm. And I know it's going to be very affirming for our listeners to hear. Us uh, so listeners, happy Black History Month. We gave y'all, we really gave y'all like 10 star content, but Spotify limits you to only five stars. So unfortunately, <laughs> y'all can only give us a five star rating uh, for five star content. Uh, listeners, especially new listeners, make sure y'all engage with the podcast at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, this was a phenomenal episode. This is a very important episode. Uh, before we officially hang up the recording, just want to give it to y'all for any shameless plugs, anything else y'all need to manifest, anything that our listeners should be on the lookout for. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to do a plug for our newest version of Black Wall Street, the board game. Just released and started shipping this Black History Month. It is now out and ready for you. Make sure y'all go to playblackwallstreet.com and pick up the classic edition of Black Wall Street, the board game. This, I think, is the most usable, most accessible, and high-quality version of the game yet. And I say that mm. even after the Masterpiece Edition, which is beautiful, right? You're, you're never going to have another Masterpiece Edition. For those that don't know, we reached out to 15 artists from around the world. Yeah, shout out to the Masterpiece on Kyler. And we had them commission pieces that either represented the future of Black Wall Street 
or their vision of black excellence. We bought the rights to those different pieces and we featured it on our board game. At that time, that was our best, most high quality version yet. But only 3,000 of those will ever be made, ever be sold. This version takes a lot of pieces from the Masterpiece Edition. None of the art, because we can't do that, but it does take the plastic bank that we added. It does take the board slightly to a higher level with more quality, QR codes on there to engage and help y'all learn. And then as well as making the font more easily readable for folks to have challenged eyes like myself. The board is thicker, as y'all can see, the box is thicker, more educational things added to the rule book. So really quality piece of board game and education. So again, playblackwallstreet.com, pick up your classic edition of the game. And I think Kyler might have a code for y'all to get 10% off if he wants to share. Kyler, you got that code? code? Uh, yeah, you actually just go to playblackwallstreet.com slash banquethallpod, and cool. there will be a link uh, probably like right here somewhere. <laughs> uh, but y'all go ahead and hit up playblackwallstreet.com. Uh, do I use my own link to buy the classic edition and get my own money from the? <laughs> yes, sir. You should definitely use your own link. That way you get that that discount and the thing thing on the back. Uh, absolutely. Recycling uh, black dollars, cooperative economics. This is what it's all about, y'all. Playblackwallstreet.com. Tap in. You have some queen. Um. Well, we do have our. We've kind of alluded to it a few times. We have our own podcast as well. The Melanated Married Millionaires in the Making, a.k.a. the M4 Show, uh -huh. where we do talk a lot about these same things, right? The the struggles of entrepreneur, being a couplepreneur. We also talk about things like real estate. Um, you know, we 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 dabble in tax strategies. We're not we're not CPAs, so we always give the disclaimers. But uh, we do talk about like ways that you can use certain tax strategies to be to work for you and to be beneficial. Um, yeah, so definitely go ahead and tap in with us at the m4show.com um and we can be found on any any uh, other platforms where you can find podcasts as well boom boom i saw i'm uh i got the notification bell on for the m4 show so saw the latest episode uh got it added to my your episodes playlist so can't wait to check that out later uh but devon sinclair thank you so much for your time uh, once again, listeners, thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, those of y'all who are tuning into the bank hall for the first time, stick around. Check out another episode. Check out another table. Have have community with other guests of the podcast. A lot of wonderful, amazing individuals have been on the pod. Uh, we've had a couple of game creators now. We've had DJs, artists, rappers, poets. We all over the place. And if y'all want to get on the pod, tap in. But until next time, tell y'all friends to give it a listen and play Black Wall Street. Happy Black History Month, y'all. Thank you. Happy Black History Month. <laughs>